Can we stand for the reading of the word of the Lord today? If you have your Bibles, excuse me, open them up to the book of Psalms chapter 6. This last Psalm of Psalm 6 in Diamonds for Daily Living is really igniting hope. And I want to encourage you with Psalms chapter 6 because this is really about a war, a war that's within, a war that's within. Because every time we get up in the morning, there's a war within us. Am I going to get up and have a good day? Or am I going to get up and let life's calamities and life's situations kind of take me in a different direction? Or am I going to choose this day who I serve? Am I going to wake up in a good disposition saying, good morning, Lord? Or am I going to wake up saying, oh, Lord, it's morning. See, it's all a matter of a disposition. And if you have a good attitude and a good disposition, nothing is impossible unto them. But this is a war that's within inside of all of us, and it's inside of David. And David said in Psalms chapter 6, I'm going to read verse 1 through 4. We'll read it together. It says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me with your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul is also greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? David's asking a question. How long is he going to be in anguish? How long is he going to be in this state of mind, this bad attitude? And he says in verse 4, return, O Lord, deliver me. Return, O Lord, deliver me. O save me for your mercy's sake. See, David's call upon the mercies of God. And that's what you and I need to do each and every day. Call upon the mercies of God. Look at verse 9 in the Bible. I don't know if I have it on the screen, but it says, The Lord has heard my supplication, and the Lord has received my prayer. Can I tell you, God has heard all of your prayers. He's received you as his very own. We have nothing but joy to have if, we re- if we're willing to receive it. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. We're trusting you to do what only you can do. Change us from the inside and let it manifest on the outside. In Jesus' name, and all God's men and women said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've lost weight. You're good to go for Thanksgiving. Thank you, Pat. Good to have Pat and Gaylene back. Would you give the worship team one more round of applause this morning? Thank you so much, Pat. He's going to come back shortly. He's working on, I just want to tell you what Pat is working on so you get ready for it. He's working on because I told him, I said, I want some of that old school organ. When I get, when I get going here, we need to go, da-da-da-da-da. I want it to get, we well, would just take a ride because, you know, it's one thing to play kind of status and, and staticky where it's just kind of linear, but how about taking us on a journey? So he's working on it. You're going to hear it more as we get going, but uh, don't, be, don't be taken back if you hear Pat in the back with great rhythm going, da-da-da-da-da. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I jump off the stage and do a, no, I won't do that. But you just never, I might, I might. Uh, I want to encourage you to, we have something every day here in the house of the Lord, also for the Lord's gym and things that we do in our community. But tomorrow morning is prayer time, talking to God at 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. tomorrow morning right here in the sanctuary. We also have men's Bible study. The last one, men, this uh, for the season is this Tuesday night, 6.30. Pastor Brad's been doing a great job with the men and the study. Uh, he's been doing a phenomenal job. And ladies, Wednesday night, this is the last uh, women's Bible study for the year uh, of this uh, Wednesday at 7.30, or excuse me, 6.30 uh, with Pastor Marie, and also Common Ground Thursdays, youth, uh, young adult service, youth service, uh, Thursday night right here at 6.30 with Kai and his wife, Jessica. Something for everybody. Friday Oasis Cares is out. Gym's open every day. 
more than a gym, something for all of us. And then you can come hang out with me and I'll really, really take you on a journey in some strange places because you just never know what will happen hanging around with me. Now think about this because I think there's something a part of, uh, there's something to be said of a war, a battle. I've been recently studying in Great Link World War II because I'm just fascinated with how anti-Semitism rolls its ugly head out of World War I and creeps in to the systematic onslaught of a genocide of God's chosen people. But there's a battle that takes place not only outwardly, but in our hearts inwardly. There's a war that's on the inside of all of us. There's going to be a, here in Psalm 6, a, a war. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's something going on here. How many of you have ever heard of the, what we call the battle of the sexes? You ever heard that back in the day, the battle of the sexes? Now they're, they're battling which gender people fall under. Can I tell you, there's only two, male or female. That's it. There's no other genders. You can't fall under other genders. There's male or female. God created Adam. He created Eve. That's, that's it. But now we got all these different things. Now you can't go to call this, this, and that. I, I don't know, but it's exhausting. Anybody with me? It's kind of exhausting. But the battle of the sexes really begins with men and women. But it, can I just tell you, it really begins in marriage. It begins with marriage because two people get married. What happens in the marriage ceremony, they pledge to be one. How many of you have ever been married and the, and the reverend says, now the two today are coming to become one. Then what happens? You go on the honeymoon and you find out which one. You find out which one is in control. And it's usually the wife, men. It's usually the wife. It's usually the wife. But guys, I do know how you really can be attractive to women. Do you want to know the secret to success? Men, do you want to know how you can be attractive to a woman? I got it for you. A job. Just get a job. I just, I mean, jobs are so attractive to women. How do we know that? Because Adam had a job before he had a wife. God gave Adam a job. It's true. You could look it up. Before he had a wife, Adam had a job. And it's something to be said because it reminds me of the story of the three guys. They just got married and they were kind of bragging on one another how they were going to set their wife straight when they got married. And so the first guy said, you know, I married a woman from Pennsylvania and I laid it out to her that when, when we get married and we get our house established that the cooking will have to be done, the, the dishes will have to be done, all will have to be done before I get home from work. His friends looked at him and said, well, what happened? He said, well, the first day wasn't much improvement. Second day, there was a little bit more. Third day, I came home, dishes were done, house was kept, laundry was there, all was well. Second guy said, well, I, I married a woman from West Virginia. And I told her the same thing, kind of, that everything would have to be done before I get home from work. He said, first day, not much improvement. Second day, a little better. Third day, all was done, dishes were done. I got home, everything was fine. The third man married a woman from California. And he bragged to his fellow buddies that he laid the line down to his wife that when he got home, the dishes would have to be done, clothes would have to be folded and laundered, all the house would have to be clean and pristine, no dust, nothing. And they looked at him and said, well, what happened? He said, well, the first day, nothing happened. Second day, I couldn't see anything. And he said, the third day, the swelling went down in my left eye. I could see a little bit better what was going on. You gotta watch those women from California. 
They'll pop you. I think there's a war that's going on here in Psalms chapter 6. I think there's something significant happened. It's really a war between good and evil. David is praying a prayer. That prayer that I, I, or that scripture that I read to you is really a prayer of repentance. It really is. If you look at the passage of scripture, he's praying a prayer of repentance. In the book of Psalms, there's 150 chapters in Psalms, but only seven of the Psalms are songs of repentance. Out of 150 chapters, only seven of the Psalms, out of 150 chapters in, in all types of, of, of Psalms 1, Psalms 1 verse 1, you know how it goes down. Only seven of the Psalms are dealing with repentance. But this is a man that's interesting because according to 1 Samuel 13, 13, this is a man whose heart beats after God's. The Bible says that in 1 Samuel 13, 13. It says, oh, Lord, do not, uh, Psalms 13, 13, he says that he was a man after God's own heart, that his heart beat with the rhythm of God. That's really what revival is, don't you know? Revival is not such, such a strange occurrence that happens when God's power and God's anointing shows up. Revival is simply getting in step and rhythm with God. Revival is a lifestyle. It's not something that, that you have to pray into existence. And if you petition God and obey God so much and you fast and pray so much, then maybe God will come down and maybe he'll give you a revival. I've studied revivals. I've studied revivals out of the first century all the way to the 21st century. And revival is a sovereign act of God. But really the issue of revival is getting in the heartbeat of God. Sitting in a place of receptivity with God each and every moment. So according to scripture, David is that guy. His heart beats with what God wants. He loves what God loves and he hates what God hates, but he had a fall. He had an issue that happened to him. His issue didn't mean he didn't love God any less or love God really anymore at that point. But he has fallen. He's had an issue and he's, he's, he's consumed now with grief. The man after God's own heart, he made a mistake. All of us make mistakes. And now he has this grief going on, his sinful conduct. Do you know he became a national leader when he killed Goliath? That monster that nobody wanted to fight. But David, a shepherd boy, a teenager, took the monster on and said, you come to me with the sword and the spear, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he took his head off. And he showed it to all of Israel and said, this is the one you feared. Look at what he is in the eyes of God. Nothing but a decapitated head. He dropped it down. He took Saul's daughter diary and he said, now I want your daughter. This was the man's man and his heart beats with the things of God. But now he's grieving. He's a national hero. He won 18 wars in the defense of Israel. Do you know David, if you really study his life, he took 12 scattered tribes of, 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 the Israeli, of, of Israel and he molded them into a fighting force, a force that brought to Israel what historians call the golden era of the Zionist state, the golden age of Israel. All He expanded God's borders. If you read in the Old Testament, God's land that he gave to Abraham, David expanded it. He took even more. And this is God's man. God's own heart is beating with David. But the war of good and evil, David fell on the battlefield and he was wounded by the prince of darkness. All of us have been hit by those fiery darts of the enemy, the fiery darts from the prince of darkness. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, and now she's pregnant. 
David conspired to have her husband Uriah killed in battle. Many of you know the story. Now his grief and his guilt is all consuming because he killed an innocent man. Because this is the Old Testament and Jesus hasn't come yet. Now he's refused by God to build the temple because God said, now your hands are bloody. Your heart is beating with the things that I love. But because you've made this grave error, your hands are bloody. You will not build the temple. And this is a result of making bad choices. Listen to the agony that reeks off the pages of Psalm 6. Do not rebuke me in your anger, O Lord. Do not rebuke me and discipline me in the wrath, O God. That's why it's important to realize that sin will separate man from man. Sin will separate husbands from wives. Sin separates father from son, as in the prodigal son. Isn't it that sin separates man from God, as seen in the picture of God and Adam in the cool of the day being cast out of that garden when you feel alone maybe you feel empty maybe you're here today and you're feeling depressed maybe you're here today and you're feeling like there's no peace when you feel like there's no joy you feel like there's no hope you feel like you're stuck in this cycle of one calamity after another can I tell you when you feel like you have nothing left you need to check the Jesus factor because Jesus came in to fill the void to fill the gap and when he comes in the thing that once separated you will not separate you any longer. I think it's important to realize that when we feel that way, that we've made mistakes and sin has separated us from the things of God, God has got a fail-safe system to get us close to him again. No longer like David where he has to literally petition, petition, petition. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, confess. If you confess, now, if you do this, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and God is just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. See, that's the answer. When you feel like there's this separation, you feel like you've made these mistakes, you've done things that you're not proud of, your heart's beating with the things of God, you know what to do, but you don't do them, and you know there's this war within. Here's the clue. You go back to a place of repentance and you say, God, I can't, but you can. God, you paved the way. You made a way. Lord, I give this over to you. I confess it. I forsake it. And I do not want it any longer. It belongs to you. I want you to hear this very clearly this morning from the throne of God. I do not care what you have done. What has been done in your past, I don't care how bad it may have been. If you want Christ to forgive you, he will forgive you today. If you will confess your sin, the blood will wash it as white as snow. You'll leave here today an heir, a joint heir with the Christ Almighty. Mighty. You'll leave here today a citizen of the kingdom of God. You'll leave here today with hope renewed, restored. You'll leave here today with eternal life forevermore as your forgiveness and your sin was like scarlet. Forgiveness has made it white as snow. Though your sin has abounded, the grace of God much more abounded. Can I get a witness this morning? But on the other hand, maybe you're here today and you say, well, Joey, I like what you're saying, but I'm feeling overwhelmed by life. I'm feeling overwhelmed by my day-to-day -day life. Maybe you're here, you've lost your job, or you're so stressed out, maybe you wish you could lose your job. <laughs> Don't raise your hand if you work here at Oasis. I will stress you out. That's why they avoid me like the plague. He always wants to do something. Maybe you're facing or going through something, a divorce, a separation. Maybe your body has been seized by demonic sickness. Or maybe you're here and your child or someone you love is facing sickness. 
Or maybe you're having a business failure. Maybe you've tried your very best and it's just not quite working out. David was physically and emotionally devastated by his wrongdoing. I want you to hear this because he says in verse 2 and in verse 6, he says, be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am faint. He says, I'm worn out from my groaning. I'm worn out. Do you know today we are the most stressed generation in all of history of America and I believe in all other nations? We are the most stressed people because we have so much stuff. We have so much activity. We literally can now not go anywhere without our phones beeping, our emails coming, our, our family getting a hold of us. What happened to the days before the, even the flip phone? I just recently got where, you know, the kids have this, this phones and we're like, I'm getting you a flip phone. Because you're not going to be able to have the social media. If you're under discipline, you're getting the old school flip phone. Emergency only, contact. We're going to get you the one for older people with the gigantic numbers. See how you like that. I don't know A, B, C. How can I text? So you know exactly what I'm talking about. I had the old school dial up with the 50-foot cord. Had to go outside in the backyard to talk to my little girlfriend. There's something to be said about the society in which we live in. The society in which we live in, it's so pressured. We have so much instant, instant information. There's so much happening today that it's hard to disconnect. We're the stressed as we've ever been before. When, you, when we have all these issues that were going on, we're stressed, and people live under more pressure than ever before, and you're getting to the point where you're tired. You're just tired. You're emotionally, physically exhausted. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You're just, you're just tired. It's been a long year for some of you, and now holidays are coming in, and it's going to even amp up more and more. You're getting to the point where you're just, it's, it's almost hard to get out of bed in the morning. Or maybe you go to work, you're not affected at work when you get there. Or maybe you're too exhausted to care for your children, mom. Maybe you're, you're too weary to take care of the house responsibilities. You're too burdened to pray. You're too burdened to read the Bible. You're too burdened to ask God for help. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You do what David did. When you don't know what to do five times in four verses, I just read them. He calls on the Lord. Oh, Lord, do not rebuke me in thy anger. Do not be, merci be merciful unto me, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, heal me. Oh, Lord, how long? Oh, Lord, deliver me with your unfailing love. Here's what he's doing. After David called calls upon the name of the Lord, instantly the psalm turns into verse 9. And David says, the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord has received my prayer. I like that. Because when you feel like you're down to nothing, all you have to do is call upon the Lord. And he begins to relieve you in your distress. He relieves you with your children, your grown children that are going through separation or loss. The things that you're struggling with, you call upon him. God has instantly heard him and God instantly brought him relief. And friends, he will do the same for you today. God will hear you and he'll bring you relief instantly when you call on him. Those clouds of darkness, the clouds of depression they're rolled back by the light of the world the enemy may come in and try to raise up the standard but God has brought in a flood a flood of his favor a flood of his goodness a flood of his mercy a flood of his love you say well that doesn't that scripture say when the enemy comes in like a flood no 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 that's the that they didn't they didn't quote that right in the canon of scripture it says when the enemy comes in comma like a flood God will raise up the standard against them you need to see God as your burden bearer 
You need to see God as your way maker. You need to see God as a divine flood, an oasis, a flood of love, a flood of healing, a flood of prosperity. Not a, a, not a dud, but a flood. You need to see him as overwhelming you with healing. Some of you just need to lift those hands and say, I receive it in Jesus' name. I receive that goodness. I receive that help. I receive that healing. I have a word for you today. Every one of you that are going through a great battle, here's the word of the Lord for every person in the valley of the shadow of death, for every person that's struggling in their day-to-day life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Hallelujah. Joy comes. I like this because David's loneliness gets replaced by the anointed presence of the friend that sticks closer than a brother. David's enemies scattered like debris in a tornado, just like your enemies will scatter. All you need to do is call upon the name of the Lord. You say, well, Joey, I've done that. But maybe you've just taken it back. Maybe you've done it, but you took back the issues of life instead of leaving him at the foot of Calvary. I don't know what some of you are going through. And I don't know the battles in which you're under today. I don't know the anxieties in which you're laboring under. But I'm here today to tell you when you get into a spiritual conflict, I say this from experience, God will not fail you. He will scatter your enemies and bring to you victory every single time. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you receive it? Now here's what David says. He says, the Lord has heard my prayer. The Lord has heard my prayer. And see, that's why prayer should never be boring. But for many people, prayer is boring. When I first started praying, I'd pray like four minutes and I'd be like, Lord, I know I just interceded for four hours. It was like four minutes. Because, you know, you don't really have a lot to say in the beginning of your walking with Jesus. So I just kind of pray and I, Lord, bless my family, bless them, help them, help me. And it's kind of, but when you really understand that God answers prayer. It won't be a time of the day. It'll be all day, every day that you'll begin to give God thanks and to begin to praise him and thank him. So your petitions, what you have to realize, answered prayer is not a miracle. It's a law. So if you're teaching somebody how to pray, what you need to teach them is, listen, God answers prayer, period. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says wait. How many of y'all know we don't like two of those answers? We do not want to hear no, and we certainly don't want to live in a place of waiting. That's why some of you are terrible drivers, because you have road rage. Because you don't like waiting for anything. But God says, those who wait upon me, I'm going to renew their strength. They're going to mount up on wings of eagles. They're going to run and not grow weary. They're going to walk and not grow faint. David said, the Lord has heard my prayer. What's happened? Now gut-fisting fear has been replaced by iron-fisted faith. It's what I call a change and a turnaround, a shift in momentum, a shift in the atmosphere. He was no longer reliving the the pain of his bad choices he was no longer living in remorse and regret and repentance now he changed his confession and he realized God has heard him it's time to move on that had to change it's not what you're going through that really matters it's what you're going to that matters and I think that's important because so often we focus we focus on what we're going through Joey, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, I'm going through this. And it's so easy to let the enemy latch on to what we're currently going through, for our, especially when it's our children, especially when it's our family, especially when it's people we love. Because if you're like me, it's not really reflecting on you. You can go through a lot of stuff. 
And you can eternalize it. You can give it over to God. But how about when somebody you love goes through something? Oh, am I preaching to anybody? How about when a child goes through something? It doesn't matter if they're 8 or 80. If, if your child, there's somebody you love, if a spouse is going through something and you're so interceding and you're so wanting to help and you're so wanting to be a change, what you need to do is do what David did. Once you give it over to the Lord, you say, God, you heard it. You heard it. You heard it. It's not what I'm going through. It's what I'm going to that matters. Are you weary today? Maybe you're weary today. Maybe you're heavy laden. Maybe you're exhausted in the day of battle. I'm here today to tell you the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. So I want to start. I like what my friend Joel does, Osteen. He, he gives a Sunday declaration every Sunday. If you watch his services, I just I so appreciate that about him. He gives declarations. But here's my declaration for you. If you are weary, it's not in pattern of Joel, but it's in pattern for the blood. This is my declaration for you. If you're weary and you're heavy laden, I just lift your hands just right now. Right now at the sound of my voice, just lift them up. Let's have a proclamation right now. Let's say it together. It's on the screen through the blood of Jesus. Now that's that's not a proclamation, that's wimps talking. Through the blood of Jesus. Oh, that's better. Now that's warriors talking. I am redeemed out of the hand of the devil. Through the blood of Jesus. My sins are forgiven. Through the blood of Jesus. I am justified, made righteous, just as if I've never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus. I am sanctified, made holy, set apart through the blood of Jesus. I have victory over this world, over my flesh, and over the devil. Through the blood of Jesus, the victory is mine today and forever. Now thank God and shout for joy. This is when you need it. He's working on it. I, <laughs> I, I wish I had it with me, the old school Herbie Hancock. I wish I had it. I'd have it on me wrapped around like a guitar one, but it's really a keyboard. But I think it's what we're willing to walk away from will determine what God brings us to. I think that's important. I'm going to say this side over here because you guys look a little friendlier. What you're willing to walk away from will determine what God can bring you to. See, that was good. Okay, I'll give you another chance. What you're willing to walk away from will determine what God can bring you to. Oh, they won. I'm sorry. But you have to be willing to walk away from some things. You know, when you're, when you're under 40, you say yes to everything, and that brings you success. When you get over 40, your success is what you're willing to say no to. When you're a younger person, you got to say yes to certain things. You got to do it. But when you get older in life, you got to say no to some things. You got to walk away from some things. So, what I'm telling you today is there's some things that you have to walk away from so God can bring you to something. You have to walk away from darkness before you can embrace the light of the world. It, they don't mix together. You have to walk away from bitterness and anger before you can embrace joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
You have to walk away from addictions. I don't care what they happen to be before you can embrace your freedom. For who the sun sets free is free indeed. I don't care what your addictions happen to be. There are people even in this room, even in first service, and I know you're a lot holier than the second because they're really bad, but you in the first service, there are some of you that have been addicted to drugs. You've been defeated by alcoholism. You've been defeated by pornography. You've been defeated by every demonic force that happens to come, but because of Jesus, because of the blood, you are now free for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But you have to be willing to walk away from depression. You have to be willing to walk away from it before you can embrace peace that surpasses understanding. You've got to walk away from it. You must be willing today to walk away from fear so you can embrace living by victorious faith. That's why Jesus used in his earthly ministry the words fear not, fear not, fear not. Because he knew the day would come when people would be paralyzed by fear. Fear not, fear not, fear not the past, it's forgiven. Fear not the present, I'm there. Fear not your future, I'll take care of it. Fear not life, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Fear not death, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I've conquered death. Fear not disease, I'm the great physician. Do not fear, you must walk away from weakness so you can embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. You must walk away from insecurity so you can live with a rock-ribbed confidence that only God, the Holy Spirit power, can give every man, woman, boy and girl. Listen, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Nothing is impossible to those that believe. Do I have any believers this morning? Can we stand together? As we stand together all over the building, I think it's important to remember today who you work for. You're not working for a boss that's in the earthly realm. You're not working under man. You're working under God. You have to remember who you work for each and every day. I was having the other day just some, just too many things going on. I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I need to take care of that. I need to call that person back. I'm not avoiding them. I just don't like them. No, I didn't say that. But I was thinking of all these things I had to do, and I was just getting overwhelmed. And then I had to remember, I'm not my own. I was bought with a price, and God wouldn't give me anything that I cannot handle. And so I had to realize who I work for. I work unto God. I'm his vessel. And after I remember who I work for, the next thing I need to remember is to believe. To believe all things are possible. Because all things are possible to those that believe. So after I realize who I work for, that I'm not working under man, I'm working under God. And after I get my beliefs factors realized that I believe God's word, I believe his promises, then I have to be a person that doesn't quit. Because if you quit, you will not win. You'll never know your limits if you quit. But if you'll pass your limits and get beyond your own limitations and not quit, you'll see the glory of the Lord. You have to be willing not to quit. Because I'm today looking at royalty. You may look at something else when you look in the mirror. You may look at flaws, blemishes, mistakes, all the things you're not. But I don't look at that today at all. I see all that you can become. I look at this church and I see everything it's called to do in this city and around the world. To be a catalyst, a tip of the spear. To bring forth lasting change and generosity in a religious climate that is nothing more than dark and dreary. 
but we are here to bring lasting change and the spirit of generosity. That's why Ignite Hope is so important. Finding salvation, finding purpose, finding your freedom, igniting hope. You see, you start doing and living that out, your heart will start beating after the things of God even greater. So today, let's do something. Let's remember who we are. We're royalty. Let's remember we're sons and daughters of the living God. And if we realize that, we can act like that. If we realize that, we'll start talking like that. We'll start thinking like that. We'll start declaring that, making declarations. And you'll say to the mountain, be thou removed. And if he doesn't remove it, he'll give you the hiking boots to climb it. Whatever you set out to do, you can do it because nothing is impossible to those that believe. There's this battle going on. The things you want to do, you don't. The things you do, you wish you wouldn't. All of us have it. All of us have it. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. The Bible says, good and evil do not mix. And it's important because Joshua said in the Old Testament, who's on the Lord's side? And it's all a matter of what you're willing to embrace and what you're willing to walk away from. 